We'll be looking today, this morning, at 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 through 57. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 through 57. We gathered here in a great time together this past Friday, Good Friday, at noon. And I mentioned there at that service that the Good Friday service was just part one of a two-part story that unfolds on this weekend. And today, as we gather in this space, we've gathered for part two. That Jesus Christ, crucified on Friday, buried in a tomb, did not stay dead. And on that third day, some ladies headed out to the tomb early in the morning to finish what they had started late Friday evening with the burial process and rituals only to get there and find him who said, Why do you seek the living amongst the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. And here we are. And I think it's no small thing that some 2,000 years later, we all have gathered in this place on this Sunday because that tomb was empty. That's the reason why we gather every week That's the reason why we live our lives in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ is because on that first Easter Sunday morning, they found the tomb empty and our Savior had conquered death and risen again. So over these last few weeks, we've looked together at 1 Corinthians 15, a passage where the Apostle Paul focuses in Um, In this chapter, devoted to the place, the purpose, the meaning of the resurrection itself, and especially how it fits into the history of redemption, the redemption of God's people from their sins. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, as we have said, mentioned in the first part of chapter 15, of what is of first importance, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the heart of the good news. It's the heart of the gospel. It's why we celebrate, it's what we sing about, it's what we rejoice in. And not only is it the heart of the good news, the death and resurrection of Christ Jesus must never be separated. They are factually inseparable. Jesus died and he rose again. But not only are they factually inseparable, they go together as causally inseparable. In other words, they together form the source of our redemption and our hope. Together, if we say we are saved today in light of Christ Jesus, it's because he died and rose again. The resurrection is the indispensable sequel to the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so Paul is writing about this. He's putting this into words for his people. He's he's trying to get them to understand the importance of it. And as he's writing, he says, look, If Christ has not been raised, then all of us are of most to be pitied. But in fact, he has been raised. And witnesses have testified it. And we have seen it. And our salvation depends upon this linchpin of our hope. And now this hope, this has brought victory for us. And so he writes in chapter 15, verse 50. He says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, 
For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. And already as we have sung the truths of the fact that our Savior is alive, we we gather here today to celebrate this. Father, we thank you for this good news. We rejoice in the victory that has been won on our behalf. And help us today, Father, help us today to trust in the Savior who died and rose again for us, who secures victory over sin for us. God, we thank you for this time. We ask you to bless it and move amongst us even now through the power of your Spirit, touching hearts, changing lives. For your glory, we pray. Amen. Now, we need to be clear again as we move into this. Without the resurrection, there is no Christianity. Many people have come along, even in Jesus' day, and claimed to be the Messiah. There was many, even the day he was there, as we've mentioned before, who died on a cross, even that day beside him. There were many who made those claims. There were many who died on crosses. There are many who suffered such death as he did, even. But none of them rose again. None of them came back to life. None of them conquered the grave, and none of them conquered it. And so when we say that Christianity is dependent upon Jesus' death and resurrection, we put those two things together as this indispensable fact. Now what it comes down to for Paul here in 1 Corinthians 15 is do you believe in the resurrection? If you believe in the resurrection, then everything else is true, right? If you believe that he rose again, then everything he said is true. If you believe he rose again, then everything he did is true. If you believe he rose again, then everything, everything he promised to us is true. Do you believe this? It comes down to this. And if you believe this, if you believe this, then know that the resurrection doesn't just serve as proof of your redemption. It's not just apologetic to prove that what Jesus did was right and true. It's even more than that. While it definitely serves as that, it also actually serves to secure some things for us, to secure some truths for us. And so this morning, we're going to look at three simple truths that the resurrection secures for us. The resurrection secures, as Paul says in verse 57, our victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The resurrection secures our victory over the penalty of sin. The resurrection secures our victory over the guilt of sin. And the resurrection secures our victory over the effects of sin. Now I want to look at these as we go through them one at a time, simply this morning, to help us understand what the resurrection has done for us. First, the resurrection secures our victory over the penalty of sin. We can remember the story of Scripture. In fact, we talked about this just a few weeks ago when we looked at the first part of chapter 15 and what the gospel is. And and while Paul said it then, I'll say it again. We discussed it then. It's not really any bad for me to discuss it again. Let's talk about this one more time. 
There is a God who created the heavens and the earth, the one true holy God. He spoke everything out of nothing. He made it all, fashioned it all by the power of his voice and the hands that he would use to make even man in his own image. And because he made everything, he gets to establish the rules for it. He gets to say, here's how it operates, here's how it works, here's what you are to do. God created it, he makes the rules, and therefore he made Adam and Eve in his own image, placed them in the garden, and said, here's how you are to live. But instead of following after God's rules, instead of obeying the rules God had set, Adam and Eve rebelled against God. And there in that rebellion, the acts that they commit are what we call sin in rebellion. And that sin has dire consequences. The Lord comes and he says, because of sin, you shall surely die, the scripture says. From dust you came to dust you shall return. That death is going to be coming for you. And Adam's sin, Adam's sin then, as the word of God tells us, is passed to all of his offspring, born in the same sinful nature that Adam has, born into sin. But not only is it passed to us, we appropriate it for ourselves as soon as we possibly can. We inherit that sin nature and we act upon that sin nature. We inherit sin nature, act upon it as quickly as possible. And the penalty, the scripture tells us, the penalty of sin is death. Paul writes it. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. As Paul would say, and you've probably heard before, hopefully you've heard before, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God in Romans 3. And the wages of sin is death. Therefore, sin brought about physical death for us. But even more than physical death, it also brought about spiritual death. The penalty of sin is death, physical death and spiritual death. As Ephesians 2.1 tells us about all of us, that you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were dead in your trespasses. And so we look to Paul, he's writing this, he's saying the penalty of sin is death and it is already upon you. It is already there. You are dead in your trespasses and sins. But then he goes on with the good news in Ephesians 2, right? But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. It's on the basis then of the risen, living Christ Jesus that we can be made alive. It's on the basis of the resurrected Christ that we can pass from death into life. Remember that in order to enter into the kingdom, we must be born again, the scripture says. It's the resurrection of Jesus that makes John 3.16 true. That we can have no longer death, but have eternal life. It's this resurrection, and we must be born again because we are dead in our trespasses and sins. This is why Paul writes to the Corinthians in chapter 15 that death is swallowed up in victory. Because Jesus Christ has taken death on our behalf. He has taken the penalty that we deserve on the cross. He has taken it upon himself, and he has passed through it to life on the other side. You see, Paul says death is swallowed up in victory. Why? Because Jesus has crushed death to death. Jesus has taken death and choked the death out of it, however you want to put it. Jesus has ended death's reign over us. As the apostle Paul says, death is our final enemy. 
It's our final enemy. And it's the enemy that none of us can beat on our own. It's coming for each and every one of us. And it's coming for us because we are all sinners and fallen short of God's glory. And we deserve the wages, the penalty of that sin. So death is coming for us all. And there's nothing we can really do about it. We can try. We can work out become fit. We can eat well. We can do all of these things, but all we're doing maybe is prolonging a few hours in our life. Death is still coming. It's still coming for us. As I said even last week, it's that giant that none of us can beat, right? It's that giant that none of us can slay. It's the one who always wins, who always conquers. It's that giant that none of us can take the task. Death is standing before us as our great enemy. And our only hope is we have a hero who would come in and slay death on our behalf. Our only hope is that we have a hero who would step in for us and fight the fight that we could never win. Go to battle and win the war that we could never have accomplished on our own and put this great giant to death for us. And so Paul says, For as by man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection from the dead. Just as death came in through sin and Adam, now, now life has come through Jesus Christ. And how is this? Because he rose again. Or listen, listen with me, if you will, to Peter. Peter's testimony in 1 Peter. Now, remember Peter. Peter's the one who denied Jesus three times, rooster crowed. Y'all remember all that. And whenever Jesus was raised again, I love that passage. Because Peter had denied Jesus. He had turned and wept bitterly. Remember, the scriptures even tell us that when Peter denied Jesus the third time, the rooster crowed, and he made eye contact with Jesus. Y'all remember that passage? He saw him. You know the anguish Peter may have felt. Well, now when Jesus is raised, he tells him, he says, you go tell the others and Peter, right? Isn't that good? You go tell the others I'm alive and Peter. Tell Peter too. Well, here comes Peter now, the witness of the resurrection. And as he's writing in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The new birth that we can have where we can overcome death has been brought to us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He has secured our victory over our great and final enemy that we could have never won on our behalf. It has now been secured by Christ. And not only has it been secured, he has prepared for us, Peter says, an inheritance that is undefiled, unfading, and cannot pass away, waiting on us. Christ Jesus has accomplished this for us. Our last enemy has been destroyed. Death no longer reigns as the penalty over sin in the believer's heart because Christ Jesus has conquered death. Psalm 23. I love Psalm 23, right? We all do. We consider what he says. We know it by heart. But that verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And why is it important here to note that he is with us? Because we walk and we face death, not on our own. We who are believers face it with the one who's already been through the valley, blazed a trail, and came out alive on the other side. And so we walk through the valley of the shadow of death and we have no fear in it. Why? Because Jesus is walking with us, the one who has conquered death and ended its reign in our life. 
you believe in Christ Jesus, you have victory over the penalty of sin. Death has been conquered. It's been conquered. But not only that, if you believe in Christ Jesus and his resurrection, we know that the resurrection secures our victory over the guilt of sin as well. Over the guilt of sin as well. Not only must we be made alive, but we also must be made righteous. Not only must we be made alive in order to, to have life, we must be made righteous. Not only does death have to be defeated, our sin has to be dealt with. And here, the Apostle Paul writes again in 1 Corinthians 15, Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. God has set the rules and established by the ways we should act and work. And that is the law that he has established. But instead of keeping his law, we have gone against his law. Instead of following in righteousness, we have followed in unrighteousness. God has made that way. Not only have we been made alive, but we've got to be made righteous. For God is holy, and we must be holy. And without holiness, no one sees the Lord. No one sees him. When Christ was raised from the dead, it was God's declaration of approval of Christ's work of redemption. It was God declaring approval for what he had done because we know what happens on the cross. On the cross, Jesus hangs there, not because of his own sins, not because of what he had done, for he was the perfect lamb of God. He hangs on the cross, taking our sins upon himself. He took the sins that we committed upon himself and there he suffers the penalty of sin because he is suffering in our unrighteousness. He is suffering our sins there. His work then on the cross was to take our sins and release the sting of sin and the power it has with the law to make us righteous before the law because what we know, what we know is God can never sweep our sin under the rug, right? We can't get in the side door to heaven. We can't get in the back door. We, we, we have to have our sins dealt with. And if God does not deal with our sins, if he does not deal with every single one of our sins, then we would be damned forever in an eternal hell. Because the smallest white lie is enough to send us there. Because it's against God's command and God's rule. And what he demands is holiness. And so our sins must be dealt with, not swept under the rug. They must be dealt with. And on the cross, every one of them, all of them, were placed upon our Savior, Jesus Christ. So there is no sin left for me to bear. He has bore it all. In my place, condemned, he stood under the law, the Scripture says. He stands there on my behalf. The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. And we are all guilty of breaking God's law. And there he dealt with our sins. He dealt with our sins on the cross. And he rose again to declare to the world that our sins have finally and completely been dealt with. Christ has won. He paid the penalty that we deserve. He bore the wrath that was meant for us. He became guilty so we could go free. He became guilty so we could meet the Savior face to face and he could say, this one is mine. He's mine. Because he comes not in the righteousness that he has earned, but in the righteousness that has been granted to us through Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. As Paul would write later to the Corinthians, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Through the resurrection, God declared Jesus' work enough to save us and to declare us righteous before him. 
This word that we know in Christianity and in doctrine is the word of justification. That we must be declared righteous by God before uh, we can enter into his kingdom. That we must be declared righteous, not on our own standards or on our own works, but by the faith that we have in trusting in Jesus Christ. Justification by faith alone. And Paul says here in Romans 4 that Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Through his resurrection, God has declared that his son's work is complete so that he can declare that his children are free from sin and guilt and shame. He raised us up with him in unity and union together. Victory over sin's guilt so we are not guilty in him. Christ has won this for us through his death and resurrection. Finally, Christ's resurrection secures our victory over sin's effects. Jesus rose bodily from the grave. We believe as we read in the scriptures that this was not a phantom or a ghost that came up. This was Jesus. This was Jesus, flesh and bone even. In fact, when they go to prove it, he talked to them. They touched him. They, they touched his hands and his side. They touched him. They even ate with him beside the lake. They ate some fish beside the lake. Obviously, it was fried because that's the way it's going to be in heaven. <laughs> Here's Jesus eating with them, touching them, talking to them. He's alive. He has redeemed what sin has torn down. He has brought back what sin was seeking to destroy. Jesus has made this body even right again. And this was the way it was supposed to be. Sin was not supposed to be here. Death was not supposed to be here. It was all good when God created. But because of sin and rebellion entered in, then death creeps in. And as death and sin entered in, then our bodies begin to be racked with sin. And the effects of it continue over and over. Over and over again, not only our bodies, but our minds racked with sin and the effects of sin. And here, the resurrection of Jesus secures our victory over this. And though death did not happen all at once whenever sin entered in, we know death began to creep in, didn't we? We know it. My prime was three months when I was 19. It's been downhill ever since. My hair is going away. Some of my brothers I played basketball with are here today. My jump shot is trash now. Let's go over. Why is this? Because our bodies are fading. And why is our bodies fading? Because sin reigns even in them, right? Paul says sin reigns even here. And more than that, every year it takes me another step to straighten my back up from when I'm sitting and you know, I'm walking away. But think about the other things. We can joke about getting old, but think about what sin has brought about in our bodies. The things we hate that ravage our minds and our bodies, the sickness, the disease from Alzheimer's to cancer. Even here this morning, before I'm preaching in my first service, I get a message that one of my dear friend's father had passed. And we think about that. The moment we hear about one overcoming cancer, we hear about three more that have it. We have this over and over again, this wickedness of what sin has brought in. Now, the bodies are fading away and they're coming after us. We're made from dust, the scripture says. And we'll fight against that dust our whole life. 
And in and of ourselves, we will fail and we will return to it. And it seems as though the dust wins, right? But not now anymore. Not since Jesus rose again. What we can know is that there is life after resurrection. What we can know is that death does not reign in us. The guilt does not overwhelm us. But we've been freed for that. And our bodies even will be made new again. And the effects of sin that are in our lives and our bodies and our minds will be made right again. And just as Jesus is, so shall we be, the scripture tells us. Paul told the Corinthians, God raised the Lord and he will also raise you up by his power. And he goes a little step further in 2 Corinthians. He says, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Not only has he saved us from the penalty of sin, death, not only has he saved us from the guilt of sin, our uh, unrighteousness, but given us righteousness. Not only has he done that, but he's also making everything that was wrong right again. And his resurrection has proven this. And though we may be fading away, what we know, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians, that these trials and tribulations and struggles we may have are only slight and momentary compared to the glory that awaits us. Whatever it may be is slight and momentary compared to what's coming. The glory that comes. And how is this glory ours? Because Jesus has secured the victory of it through his death and resurrection. It's ours because of that. That's what Paul, I believe, is talking about there in verse 50 through 54. He says, this is coming for us. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall all be changed. Paul says it's going to come in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet. We will feel overwhelmed by life. We will be tired and we will grow weary because it's creeping on us and wearing us down and wearing us down. But when Jesus returns, the process is not going to be gradual. It's going to be instantaneous. And the process that we face now of death creeping in on us, the instantaneous victory of Christ will be seen in the resurrected body when he returns in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the trumpet, he comes for us. And he takes all the effects of sin and reverses them for his glory. Are you ready for that moment? I know I surely am. But what I want you to know today is that Jesus died and rose again to make you ready. But you have to believe this. You have to trust in him. Even as we saw our brothers up here uh, being baptized, ask that question, do you believe this to be true? Yes. You have to believe it as well. In fact, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. The penalty of sin has been dealt with in Christ. The guilt of sin has been eradicated. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. The effects of sin have been dealt with. And in the moment, in the twinkling of of the eye, the glory that is ours will be seen through Christ. It's all taken care of for us in Christ. All we have to do is believe. Just simply believe. All has been dealt with. But unless you believe, you are still under these things. 
Unless you believe, the penalty of sin still reigns over you. Death is coming for you. And where you live right now is the best it will ever be. Unless you believe, you are still guilty under God's law as a sinner, and you're not free from it. And you'll have to answer to the judge of the world living in the dead of this guilt. Unless you believe the effects of sin not only reign in your life, now they'll reign for you in eternity as you suffer under that penalty forever in hell. Unless you believe the penalty, the guilt, and the effects of sin still reign in your hearts. But you can believe today. The victory, as Paul says, is ours through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is not something we won. This is like y'all's favorite football team, right? We celebrate the victories and all we did was sit in our chair and watch. But even worse than that here, all we've done in this case is provide the sin that made the death of Christ necessary. We've provided that and still yet he is gone. Still yet he has won it. And we who could not win this victory on our own, all we get to do is sit back and rejoice that it has been won for us. We believe. There's no reason for any of you to leave here today still under the penalty of sin. There's no reason for any of you to leave out of this room still under the guilt of sin or the effects of sin. You can know this victory by believing today and trusting in the one who died for you and rose again. In fact, Paul puts it like this. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you'll be saved. You'll be saved. I call on you today to do that. If you haven't done that, do that. There's nothing more glorious to do. There's nothing more wonderful to find. There's no treasure greater than this, than a resurrected Savior who has won the victory on your behalf. May all of us in this room be reveling in the victory won by Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. It is good. May no one leave here today, Father, still trusting in their own power and strength and finding themselves under the penalty, guilt, and effects of sin that God, through your son, Jesus Christ, you have answered all of those things, ending their reign in our hearts. So if anyone who calls upon your name, if anyone believes that you have been raised again and trusts you with their life, turning from their sin, God, You've given them victory. So today, Father, in this room may be someone who needs to know that victory for the first time. Maybe they've heard this message. Maybe it just becomes old hat. But today they think about eternity. Today they think about their own life and what reigns in their life, God. And they turn to you, trusting in the one, trusting in the one who's conquered death, who's conquered sin taken away its sting. God, may they trust in you today. I'll be standing here in the front. If any of you want to speak to me or someone here about trusting in Christ today, today, let it be. You're not here by chance or happenstance. Today, let it be the case. We're ready to receive you as we consider how Jesus has done everything for us. Let's stand together.